Hey all you heavenly humans, I'm Mandile and welcome to And Other Things, a podcast about navigating life, learning from past experiences, embracing growing pains and laughing along the way. Meet me right here every week for thoughtful conversation, challenging discussion and an all-round great time. internet friends wow that felt so weird to say because I always say happy Monday (laughs) but anyway I hope you all are doing well as we approach the end of May I actually can't believe we're already five months into the new year it's kind of crazy so much is happening in the world right now and sometimes I just really feel overwhelmed by how much suffering there is out there and we're going to talk about that in this episode and we're also going to get a little more personal. So it's been a while since I just sat down and shared how I'm feeling. I honestly don't like to talk about myself which is ironic because I'm a podcaster but seriously I am the kind of person who will only talk about herself if she's asked to do so and I'm not sure if you've noticed, but most of my podcast episodes that are about me or solo episodes are about super big life lessons I've learned. And I really don't just talk about how I'm doing on a daily basis. And the last time I did that was in 2020 when I did an episode commemorating my seventh month of quarantine. And now it's been more than a year. Anyway, I just thought I'd share some growing pains that I've been going through recently because that is one of the core tenets of this podcast, you know, embracing growing pains. But before I pour my heart out, I want to share today's potty of the week. So I truly enjoyed the segment because I love, love recommending things to people, especially when the recommendation is personalized. I love it when someone recommends a book that they know I will like specifically because it shows that they know me and I like to be known. (laughs) And on the flip side, I really like doing that for other people. It's kind of my way of saying, hey, I see you and I know you well enough to recommend this movie I watched or this book I read or the song I listened to because I think you'd like it too. So yes, that's why I love recommending podcasts because I know some of you will really like the ones I suggest. Anyway, long tangent there. So today's podcast of the week is still processing, hosted by Jenna Wortham and Wesley Morris. So it's a New York Times podcast, which I think I referenced in last week's episode, but it's about culture, both the popular and social aspect of it. And it's really, really great. I first discovered this podcast because I read Minor Feelings by Kathy Park Hong, as you know from last week's episode, if you listen to it. And what I've been doing this year is after I finish reading a book, I like to listen to either a book review or an author interview in the form of a podcast episode, just to hear other people's thoughts and to get to know the author's intentions. So 
I looked up minor feelings on Spotify and still processing's episode with Kathy Park Hong was one of the first ones that came up. I'd seen the podcast on my recommended page a couple of times, but I never clicked on it because the cover just wasn't enticing. Okay, let me be honest. The cover has the hosts, Jenna Wortham and Wesley Morris, who are both black. And when I saw that and the title still processing, I thought the podcast was about blackness in America and race. And I didn't want to be listening to that because when you continuously consume such content as a black person, as a woman, as someone who cares about the world in general, it can become quite exhausting to constantly be fed trauma and such. Anyway, the short of it is that I listened to the episode with Kathy Park Hung. I loved the host's synergy and then I basically binge listened to all their most recent episodes and now I'm actually obsessed. Like as soon as it drops, it's the first podcast that I listen to. They obviously do talk about race and racism because they are black and those are real present issues in our daily lives. But they also talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Tina Turner and music. And it's just so, so good. And I just love it. And even if I'm not interested in the particular topic that they're covering, the way they just process things, as the title says, is just so thoughtful. And you can tell that they are so well versed in the things that they're talking about so anyway this is the longest party of the week segment but we move okay now that you know that i don't like talking about myself i'm tired of consuming content about racism and i'm obsessed with still processing let's get into the real reason you're listening to me today oh and happy monday (laughs) i just couldn't not say it One thing that not a lot of people know about me is that I am a serial project starter and that serial S-E-R-I-A-L, not serial as in, you know, Honey Nut Cheerios. <laughs> I love to start projects and take them on everything from blogging, graphic creating, jigsaw puzzling. If you follow me on Instagram, I posted a lot of the puzzles I did last year. I think I did 12 and you know also learning how to do the splits or podcasting or bullet journaling i just love to create and learn new skills basically i'm interested in a lot of things and i go full force with what i'm interested in like this podcast so i've recently been expanding my project horizons and thinking more about what projects I can take on that align with my long-term goals and my values and I've come up with a few things that I'd like to pursue in the near future but just like with this podcast I have had to really really navigate one of my biggest self-inflicted enemies self-doubt So I've dealt with insecurity and self-consciousness in the past but never self-doubt 
when I did something that I knew I was good at, I never questioned if it was meant for me or if I was truly good at it. So when I played tennis or began studying French or decided to start my faith-based blog, not once did I think, hmm, maybe I'm not as good as I think. Maybe I'm not a good tennis player, a good French student, a good blogger. I never worried about what people thought, especially with my blog. I always just did my own thing. Of course, there were moments where my confidence would get a good knocking down from time to time, but it never got to the place of self-doubt. And I kind of think of self-doubt as a combo of a lack of confidence, insecurity and self-consciousness. And it never got to that place for me until recently. So the longer I've been podcasting, the more I've started to feel like, OMG, maybe I'm not really meant to be a podcaster. Maybe this other project is truly what I'm supposed to do. Sometimes before I put out an episode, I actually have this brief moment of, man, is this good enough? And with each episode I put out, that brief moment gets a little longer. And you think that it would get shorter as I put out more content, but it's actually been the opposite for me. My self-doubt usually presents itself in situations where I'm creating something that other people will engage with, like this podcast. It's something that I am making for other people to listen to otherwise. I just talk into my voice notes app on my phone, you know, it's never come up in my bullet journaling or puzzling. However, it didn't really come up when I had my faith-based blog. So I wonder why it's coming up now with this podcast. Wait, you know what I think it is? When I was younger, I was very naive, as I've said so many times on this podcast, and I almost lived in a world that didn't exist because of how I was raised, which was extremely sheltered. I had created an almost utopian world where I maintained my innocence and childlike self-assurance. So I never worried about what other people thought when I started my blog. It's like when a child is learning to walk or run or ice skate, they usually just go for it because they haven't really conceptualized or grasped what it means to be a human in the society and that is to be subject to the scrutiny of other people's perspectives. Maybe that's it, yeah. So it's only coming up for me recently as I'm shedding my childlike nature, which is good in some cases, but clearly not advantageous in this case. And I don't really like that, to be honest. Recently, I was talking to my mom and she told me that since I was young, I've always been the kind of person who just goes for it. So she she tells the story of when I had just learned to walk slash run and we were on holiday. And that day we were poolside and every time my mom would turn her back for a second, I would run, no, I would sprint towards the pool because I just wanted to jump in and she basically had to watch me very intently because I was just such a fearless go-getter. I was running towards the pool even though I didn't know how to swim. I don't think I'd ever interacted with a body of water that large and suddenly I thought I was the Superman. So yeah, I've always been a fearless go-getter compared to my younger sister, Hey Nash, if you're listening to this, who is a lot more calculated and cautious. And neither of those is good nor bad. Each comes with its own downsides. And for me, it's 
that self-doubt that arises from starting without a clear long-term plan. I think that's one of the biggest growing pains I've been dealing with, but I'm also starting to think about how I can work through that on my own. And I wanted to share some things I've done in the past and some things I'm doing now to lessen and hopefully, hopefully, if possible, eliminate my self-doubt. So first, I have been practicing quieting my mind slash meditating. So self-doubt for me comes from a busy head or loud, anxious thoughts, which have been exacerbated by this pandemic time, right? So I've been really, really trying to cultivate peace in my life and to pray for peace. So there are a lot of different types of meditation apps and such but I I don't really need to use an app I just go onto YouTube on Headspace's channel and they have a couple of short 10 minute videos that I've tried so I try to stay away from the more spiritual meditations just because I don't know what they're about and I don't want to appropriate any cultural practices or do something without really knowing what it is so yeah cultivating peace through meditation and quieting my mind Quieting my mind can look like listening to instrumental jazz music with my eyes closed and just being there, just enjoying the music and letting it move through me. And both of those things have really helped to clear out my more anxious thoughts and make space for almost like nothingness if that makes sense. I'm, I'm not able to completely blank my mind, but it's definitely helped me to reduce my loud thoughts. The second thing I have been doing is listening back on my older podcast episodes. So what I realized with my self-doubt is that it is not rational. My self-doubt is coming from a place that's untrue and that's why it's not the primary feeling I'm feeling. Primarily, I feel confident and sure that I am capable of podcasting and blogging and all these other things, and that I'm a good podcast host. And then my self-doubt is like this little annoying muzzy or mosquito that's buzzing in and out of my ear from time to time saying, no, you can't do it you're not good enough, your podcast isn't that great, no one wants to hear what you have to say, blah blah blah. (laughs) Was that a good mosquito impression? Um, But yeah, and those things are not true because the numbers show that people are listening to my episodes, but more importantly than the numbers, I know in my heart of hearts that I am more than capable. So I try to remind myself that self-doubt comes from an untrue place. It does not speak truthfully about who I am. And then to really solidify that belief, I listen back to my past podcast episodes and I'm always impressed and I'm reminded of what I'm capable of. I hope that doesn't sound cocky. Actually, I don't know, but it it really has helped me. And the other thing I gain from listening back to my older episodes is that I'm able to see what I can do better and how I can improve my content, which leads me to the third thing I'm doing to combat my self-doubt. And that is I'm reminding myself that there is ample room for improvement. 
I don't want to ever get to a place where I'm comfortable and think that I'm perfect. So just like self-doubt, which comes from a place that's untrue, telling myself that I'm the best podcaster out there or the best project starter is also from an untrue place. I mean, I'm not trying to lie to myself. So when I do feel self-doubt creeping in, obviously I want to get rid of it, but it's a reminder to me that there's always room for improvement. There's room for improvement in terms of my mental health and understanding why I'm having feelings of self-doubt and equipping myself with tools to deal with it. And then there's a room for improvement in terms of my podcast. So every episode I put out is a learning experience and every story I tell can be told just a little better. And because, as I said earlier, I am a serial project starter and I jump headfirst into things, I constantly have to reiterate and reiterate and change things. That's why my intro and outro changed a couple of times. My artwork changed and then the Instagram aesthetic or whatever branding has changed too many times to count. I'm probably going to change it again, to be honest, one last time. I mean, I'm personally not afraid of learning as I go and it works in cases like this where my podcast is, it's a passion project and it's not lucrative. I'm not relying on it to feed me. So it's kind of this clump of Play-Doh that I can shape and mold as time goes on and as I learn what my audience enjoys and what I enjoy. Finally, I am holding onto the encouraging words of others. So what I've learned is that while outside or external validation should not be the primary thing that my worth or self-assurance is based on, it can be really, really helpful in giving me a boost of confidence when I need one. So since I started this podcast, so many different people have messaged me to say they liked an episode or they like the podcast as a whole or that they resonated with my experiences. Some people also offered me constructive criticism, which I really, really welcome. Whenever I get messages like that, I'm always like, oh, you know, I'm surprised because that's not what my self-doubt has been telling me. My self-doubt tells me, like I said, that no one's listening. And those who are listening don't enjoy it. They just listen because you're their friend or whatever. Anyway, the point is, I think about what other people have told me and their words of encouragement when I'm feeling down in the dumps. I know it feels kind of icky to say that I rely on other people's kind words for a boost of confidence, but I'm human and I really think the reason why humans have communities and are inclined to inhabit group spaces is because we know that we need other people to support us and to lift us up in times of needs and so that we can do that for other people as well. So I'm embracing the discomfort of accepting my listener's word as a source of validation. So those are the four main ways I've been working through my self-doubt and other anxious thoughts. It's not always easy to shake doubtful feelings, but it has to be done when you have to get work done. Yeah, I I swear if it weren't because of the fact that I made a commitment to putting out an episode every week, and that's my personal challenge to myself, there would have been several, several Mondays where I wouldn't have released a podcast episode because 
even passion can't overcome self-doubt when it really gets to you. Also, this one is a little more surface level, but it's still helpful. So I started creating wallpapers for my phone that have encouraging messages so that whenever I look down at my phone, which is a lot these days, oops. <laughs> so whenever I look down at my phone, I have this short and sweet reminder that, hey, you're doing great. One of them I made says, you're already doing it. And that's exactly the message that I need to hear personally when I'm doubting myself. Because like I said before, I don't have a problem starting projects. It's when I'm in the weeds and doing a project consistently that I'm like, oh no, was this the right decision? So I don't need to hear, just do it or just start because I have no problem with that. Also, I think saying you're already doing it versus you can do it is just a little more powerful because it acknowledges the great work that I've already done and reminds me that I'm already going, so why not keep it up? serial project starter and with being someone who has a lot of different interests comes the idea that I have to be hyper productive or get started right now and finish everything right now. Obviously work needs to get done but whenever I take on a new project as I mentioned earlier I go full force and I mean that. So for example when um I'll use the example of the podcast since it's easier to explain. So when I first started the potty, I didn't have an Instagram account for it. But then a couple of episodes in, maybe after two or three, I created an Instagram because I was advised that it would be a better way to connect with listeners than on my personal account, which I don't even use anymore. Anyway, for the Instagram account, I decided that I would create graphics myself instead of using stock images or reposting other people's stuff. So I wanted it to be 100% original. And so I decided to use Canva, which some of you may know, and I've used it for a long time now for other projects as well. I remember I was at work that day when I decided to create one graphic because I got this burst of inspiration. I get those a lot. And as soon as I opened my Canva to start working on some graphics, I couldn't stop. I literally had to close my laptop, put it back in my room because I was working in the dining room and try to get back to work. And the rest of the day, I was just so restless because I just wanted to pursue this idea full speed ahead. I actually really struggled to get to work that day and as soon as my workday was over, the first thing I did was literally sit down and start messing around with different designs and creating graphics. When I say I physically couldn't stop, I mean it and I'm realizing that I may have a little bit of an obsessive personality or I'm prone to addiction. And this happens to me with almost every passion project I pursue, and perhaps that's why it's called a passion project. Well, that was a lot of P's. Um, But I think it's called a passion project because it ignites this fire in you that burns consistently. However, when I am going 
at this full speed ahead pace, I lose steam very quickly and easily. And when I do lose steam or momentum, the impact is quite hard. It's like if I'm riding a scooter or a bike and I suddenly brake, I'm gonna fly off and crash so hard, I'll probably break bones and I can't do anything at all. And that's what my burnout has felt like recently. I go full speed ahead for a week and then by the weekend, I'm so burnt out, it's not even funny. And before I heard the term burnout, I used to call these moments crashes, like I would crash and I think it's the same thing. So there are obviously positives to my being ambitious and passionate, but the downside is that I am sometimes, actually most of the time, passionate to my detriment. So I'm realizing that I need to learn to balance my passion with sustainable action. And what this means to me is to acknowledge my passion and allow it to spark inspiration in me. But I have to create a plan to make sure that the speed at which I'm going on certain projects can keep me going for much longer than the distance I'm currently meeting. Anyway, the point is I've been going through very small bouts of burnout, but the problem is that it's cyclical and I always find a way to get out of it which is not hard because I'm not doing anything intense at the moment, but I'd rather just not be burnt out at all, you know? So I've been really trying to discipline myself to do what my schedule says I should be doing and sticking to it. Because I realized that it was so easy for me to get burnt out when I didn't plan out every hour of the day, which we can have a whole other conversation about the commodification of time that's not what we're here to talk about today so yes I've been trying to discipline myself to stick to my sketch which it's been working quite recently and hopefully it continues like that and on the topic of productivity and schedules and all of that stuff I listened to a really really great episode on a podcast called this is uncomfortable and the episode was called productivity won't save you I'll put a link to the episode in the show notes. So the host said something that I really resonated with and it was that when you are so focused on productivity, even texting your friends starts to feel like work. And wow, I 100% resonated with that. So whenever I get a text recently, I look at it and then leave it. And then once the red bubble is up to like five messages, I put a slot in my schedule and say reply to X or call Y. Okay, it doesn't happen exactly like that. I usually have to set a reminder because, you know, I don't want to forget. But the point is that things that didn't feel like work before suddenly feel like such a task. I don't know if you all have been feeling that as well and in the podcast episode they call this the invisible labor of friendship and maybe it's because during the pandemic we've been sat in front of our screens 24 7 basically or maybe because for me I felt a lot of pressure to as I said go full throttle with everything I do which isn't good so just like I'm working to combat my self-doubt and burnout cycle I'm also working to combat my hyper productivity and one of the worst things about the productivity mindset as it's called is that it makes me feel like I'm never ever doing enough 
And when I'm already dealing with self-doubt, that's not really a great combo. So one thing I'm trying to do is to reframe how I think about productivity. I'm sure you all have seen those graphics on Instagram that say rest is productive. Now, I agree with the overall sentiment, but I think rest should be taken out of the equation of productivity completely. Otherwise, we're still making it a part of the productivity mindset, which I don't think is the point. But in terms of reframing productivity, I've been thinking about my time in Paris. So I did an internship at a radio station and people would walk in at 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. and take like 12 smoke breaks throughout the day. At random moments, we throw on some Beyonce or Childish Gambino music videos on the TV. Yes, there was a TV in our office. And lunch was basically almost two hours. And then everyone would stop working at four, but stick around and talk until five or six. And on Fridays, people would basically leave at noon because they have unofficial summer Fridays. And y'all, don't get me started on work parties and get togethers. And, you know, maybe it was because it was a radio station. But I also know that in France, they get 36 days paid leave. And here in the US, it's way less. I think it's half of that, like 15 to 20. And obviously, these are economies in which people have the privilege to take time off. But even thinking back to Zim, Zimbabwe, I can think of a lot of places in my neighborhood like the Musika, which is it's an outside store where people sell produce and snacks and other things and there was one store that was near my house and whenever I'd walk past or my family and I would drive past we'd always without fail stop and talk with my chigia who was the lady there and we chat and talk for 10 to 15 minutes during the workday and the same thing for the service station that was near my house and these are not just water cooler conversations as they say here these are full-on conversations about their children and life and work and you truly feel like a community but yeah from my experience of working in corporate america work time is precious and they will milk every productive second out of you until you have none left to give so at the moment i I'm really trying to work through how I view productivity, given that I've seen what it means from Zimbabwean, French and American perspectives. I've been trying to walk a lot and finding small and big moments of joy that I can pursue and celebrate throughout the weekdays and weekends. I've also been thinking about taking Sabbath every once in a while, and I'm so thankful that I currently have a lot of flexibility in my schedule to do those things and think about those things but this idea of rest being productive or rest being more important than productivity it isn't revolutionary lots of indigenous cultures and lots of religions already practice similar ideas and the question that I have been asking myself to work through this is, how can I reframe productivity to align with my values while acknowledging the privilege I have to do that and also without forgetting that I live in a capitalist society 
which requires maximum productivity of me. Let me know if you have tips. Oh, sorry, there's a dog outside. I'm not sure if you can hear it barking. But yeah, let me know if you have tips on overcoming self-doubt and if you have any ideas of how we can reframe productivity and if you've taken steps to do so yourself. I'd really love to hear what you have to say and what you've learned and there's also the added layer of navigating this in a pandemic and in the midst of several global crises but yeah every day is a new day to learn and grow and with how quickly things are shifting these days we really just have to you know take it hour by hour all right listeners Thanks so much for spending some of your precious time with me throughout this episode. As always, don't forget to subscribe, share with a friend and rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow and other things on Instagram at and other things potty for more valuable content. This podcast was written, hosted and produced by me. Have a most magnificent day.